Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Yep, we have another awesome interview for you today. Today, we're going to talk about taking your business to the next level. I have Kai Davis of KaiDavis.com, and that's K-A-I. And of course, all the links will be in the show notes. Um, but Kai does business coaching for consultants. So whether or not you're a web developer, freelancer, entrepreneur, there's going to be a ton of value in this interview for you. So whether you're looking to maybe add a product to your business or, you know, attract the right clients, scale your business, get larger projects, you're going to want to listen to this. You might want to take notes too. So enjoy the interview. And again, this is Kai Davis of KaiDavis.com. I want to point something out to the listeners because I have a tendency when I do interviews to to say, oh, we connected through this or that. And I think the cool thing about that is is people kind of tend to it's easy to get caught up and you you forget that we still need to connect with people in this online space, right? So we were connected through a mutual friend and here we are doing an interview. So I think that's something that I just want to start pointing out a little bit more that you just don't know the great people you're going to get to connect with. And by reaching out and making those introductions for other people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people get put off or afraid at the thought of like, oh, setting an email. What if, what if they don't respond and they get caught up in that headspace of what could go wrong when the truth is there's, there's zero cost, zero risk to sending an email. I sent an email to a mutual friend and said, Hey, could you introduce me? And it led to this wonderful collaboration. If it didn't. Well, it's no loss to either one of us. The cost is so little, but the benefit is huge. I think people should be a little more aggressive about cold outreach or getting in touch with people or just saying, hey, is there a possibility of working together? Absolutely. And, you know, as you were saying that there's this fear of, you know, something going wrong. I had a a mentor just sort of drove home the whole, um, I think it's Newton's third law, that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if there's a possibility that something might go sideways, there's a possibility that something could be phenomenal too. So you get to pick which possibility you want to run with, right? Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So let's jump in. So before we get into your current business and, and all the awesomeness that you're doing over there, tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what you were doing before you started your business. Sure. So right now I'm an outreach consultant, but before when I still had a day job, I was the director of marketing for a large construction company in Oregon and in charge of helping them manage their requests for proposals and uh, large bids on projects. After that, I was a front-end WordPress developer for about two years working as an independent consultant, helping people build sites using WordPress and helping them solve their marketing problems. And then I took a step forward and said, well, hey, I want to help my clients work on a higher value problem that they're trying to solve help them get more traffic, help them attract more clients and help them build relationships with audiences online. Oh my God, that was a nice, clean, <laughs> succinct point. And it's funny as you were talking about, you know, the, the front end WordPress development, helping clients, and then you shift. I do see, and I would love your opinion on this in that 
I see a lot of people who do the front end development and are working with clients and there seems to consistently be a progression into that, that higher value piece because the website is obviously a, the foundation and the core, but then it's like, what do you do with it? Right? How, how do you, how do you scale your business with this, this internet real estate essentially that you've created? Um, you know, and so what are your thoughts on that in terms of that shift that, that, tends to happen for a lot of front-end developers. I think it's incredibly important to be aware of that. We as consultants or a list, the prototypical listener as a consultant should always be looking at their business and saying, well, in six months from now, where do I want to be making my income from? Where do I want that value to be coming from? Where do I want to be delivering value to my clients? And constantly just assessing how and what the clients are asking for and seeing, well, is this a match for something I might be able to provide? The SEO and outreach services, the traffic power-up services that I provide came directly out of just talking to the clients I was building websites for and them saying, you know, we have this great site, but we aren't getting any traffic. And finally it clicked. Well, if 10 people are telling me they have the same painful problem, this is something I should start addressing. But it's so important for consultants to be always looking forward, be forecasting forward and saying, well, where's a new area that I could derive or deliver value in? And how could I add that to my business? I think Alan Weiss has a wonderful quote saying that every 18 months he looks back at his business and realizes the ways he's making money today are completely different than the way he was making money 18 months ago. Same with me. When I look back at my business, I'm able to say, well, I could see the path from A to B to C to D, but when you look at the D I'm at today compared to the A I was at two years ago, it looks like completely different businesses. But the way I got there was just by taking those small steps forward and saying, well, how could I better deliver value to my clients? How could I solve more interesting problems? God, I love that. I'm in a mastermind and, and they do this, this exercise of follow the money, like pay attention to where you are getting paid, right? And so we have a tendency, I think, to get stuck in, in an idea like as a front end developer, it's websites, right? Instead of, well, the value that you're bringing is what it, what you're helping them do with the website, right? So all of a sudden, you kind of shift into that consulting piece. And I've done this with a few coaching clients where I'm like, it, it's all in how you position it and the value of, so as an example, like in taking somebody that maybe has an offline business, and they know they need a web presence, and they need to do something with it. Well, they're not going to have the skills and knowledge about like everything you're doing in terms of traffic and SEO and how do you, you get leads to that site and how do you start engaging with your customers from your website? And so they know they need the website, but I don't know that uh, a lot of people grasp the value in that the way they used to, right? So if you simply position it like, hey, you're going to pay for consulting and the website's free, like all of a sudden people, that's a complete different shift, but yet she's getting to spend more time doing what she wants to do and then has a team working on the site development. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of it is, as a consultant, understanding the difference between what a buyer comes to you wanting and what the buyer actually needs. And this example of somebody coming to you or a prototypical consultant and saying, I need a website. Well, they really want a website. Having a website won't help their business double in value. What they need is a strategy to get more clients or a strategy to get more visitors or to get more traffic. A website is part of that. And I think consultants that are able to charge higher rates and work with better clients are very adept. And it doesn't take that many skills to get adept at this, at just asking the right questions to say, well, tell me about your business. What pains are you having? And unearth what that fundamental need really is and educate the client on how, well, you came through my door saying, I want a website or I want to rank number one on Google. What you really need is, well, I need to make another $10,000 every month so I could hire two new employees and grow or rent this new office space. Okay, that's a painful problem we could work on solving and a much higher value problem to work on as a consultant. 
God, I love that. It's, did, did you find, let me ask you this for, it, from the, a personal perspective, right? And I want to kind of get into some of the challenges that you've faced when starting your business, but with the, you know, shifting that pain point, it's funny because I, for myself, like what you hear all of that, right? And like, I, I think when I was, I don't know, first couple of years of my business, I, I read, you know, Robert Cialdini's Psychology of Influence and you, you hear that stuff, but yet, when you really start seeing that you have to solve a problem, what is the pain? What is the problem you're solving? And it's something that takes time to, to, to grasp that concept, right? And then to work through that with your clients because your client may know, okay, the problem is I need 10 grand more a month. I need to increase sales by this, but you know, they're not, and when they come to you for a website, it's, they're not expecting you to grasp that pain. It's kind of like a task and all of a sudden your value goes up, right? So, you know, in terms for yourself and, and really, was there a moment or, you know, a story or working with a client when you grasped that I need to shift this from, you know, here's, well, you know, here's your, you, you need a website, but actually here's your problem. It, it was, I think, I can't speak to an exact story, but I think it was about a year or a year and a half ago when I finally had that realization that it's the difference between, I, I always use this this metaphor here, uh, uh, going to an architect and saying like, well, do you have a, a really nice hammer I could use to build my house or asking the architect to help you build the house of the dreams? Are you coming to a consultant or are you as a consultant positioning yourself as a tool to be used by a client, just a pair of hands or as a valuable resource to help contribute to the project sitting on the same side of the table as that client. And I think for me, it was when I realized that my best clients were the clients that came to me saying, well, we have, we're trying to achieve this objective. What's your input? And the clients I disliked working with came to me saying, we need X, Y, and Z, please do X, Y, and Z send us the invoice, we'll pay net 30. And I realized it was working with the more interesting clients that was more joyous for me, just just on that fulfillment level, and also more valuable for me on that business level. So I really reoriented my, my business around qualifying the right clients. So before I work with anyone today, I take them through an initial, you know, eight or 10 question qualifying question surveyed through email, like, hey, tell me about your business. What do you want to achieve? Then we get on the phone and I ask them some more questions just to understand exactly what they're trying to achieve, where their business is headed, what their goals are. And finally, at that point, I think it's a decision in my hands on whether we work together or not. I have clients who line up and say, well, I'd really like to pay you to solve this problem for me. But because I've disqualified them, because they aren't a good match for me, because they won't help me grow in the way I want to grow or aren't a good match for my services, I I just take the step back and say, you know, I don't think we're the right match. And I think it really has been that transition point over the last year, year, year and a half that has helped my business grow so much. God, I love that. It's funny. I was thinking about... You know, I am adding sort of podcasting services to my company. And, and because I, I clearly love doing this, it, it has been phenomenal. And in, in going in that direction, it's funny because I've started connecting with different people and we either teaching or done for you. And it's, it's stepping back. And it's funny because I, I spoke with somebody, God, it was probably a month ago and. I could just tell within the first few minutes, like, I really don't want to work with this person because it was more about, look at how phenomenal and wonderful I am and what I've done. And so I need you to, to do this. It's like, no, I, you know, so you get that feeling, right? Of that client too. And it's like, and it's funny because I realized that I need to do that pre-qualifying 
place for those clients in terms of if you're going to hire us to take care of production, then you need to understand that we are the experts and we're doing this for you. We're not your hired tech help. And, you know, as you were saying that, it's interesting because I've also in, in talking with other people that are in the, in a similar market, so many people feel that same way. It's like, and I'm going to simplify it. And you, you said it much more eloquently, but it's the difference between being the hired help and being a partner on a project. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether you're just a pair of hands to execute on it or whether you're a brain, an expert, a, uh, uh, I think, uh, I can't remember the name of the consultant. A famous consultant said, like, you're the trusted advisor on yeah. the project. And that's what I shoot for with all of my clients. And I, I encourage all listeners to shoot for with the clients. You want to be a partner. You want to be on the same side of the table. You want to be someone that they call up and say, I'm really afraid about this thing. What do you think? They're treating you like a friend or a mentor, not just somebody who cashes the check at the end of the month. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it just the correspondence, the engagement, it's so very different. Um, all right, let's shift a little bit and jump into, you know, I always like to hear you know, some of the challenges maybe that you face from starting your business. Cause you know, when we're working for ourselves and we're out there, it's, it seems like everybody else has it figured out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can you share some of the challenges you faced when shifting into let, let's focus kind of on the consulting and, and what you're doing now? Did you have any challenges to when you started? Absolutely. And I think the biggest challenge when I started and the challenge that all consultants face is the amount of time that can be spent writing and re- writing proposals and submitting them to clients without getting any any hits any I totally feel like hitting my head on the microphone like oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> and honestly like that's been the biggest shift in my business around a year ago I shifted to what uh, a few consultants identify as the productized consulting model and that basically means instead of somebody walking through the door and saying hey I'd love to work together put together a proposal for me I have three or four predefined flat rate pre-scoped services that I make available to my clients a so website x-ray which is an SEO audit Traffic Power Up, which is a monthly outreach and link building service. And I just predefined it like a product, like you would find on a sales page, like an info product. And so when a client contacts me, before it used to be, well, I spend five to 10 hours interviewing them, drafting the proposal, sending them the proposal, answering questions about the proposals, and maybe at a 20% hit rate. So for every proposal I won, I'd be losing 40 hours, a week's worth of work chasing down these proposals that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. But with with this shift to a productized consulting model, just saying, sure, I'm available for custom work if you if that's necessary, but these are the three things I excel at. These are the three expensive problems I could help you solve. These are the three products that solve those expensive problems. It's let me focus on becoming better at my craft and better at marketing my business and shift time away from constantly writing and rewriting proposals and writing that roller coaster of freelancing. Oh my gosh, I love it. I had a point now where with people, it's like, I just, after we dis- we, we have a discovery session and we talk a little bit and I'm like, well, this is the price. And if I get a yes, let's move forward. Then I, they get a proposal. Yes. And I, I just, I, I can't tell you how many times and I've said it so many times in the podcast, like I don't work with local clients. I live in a small community and it, there's so much education and handholding required there for, for what they want to spend. And cause I, I learned after going to multiple coffee meetings and writing up a proposal and going through the whole thing with them. And it was like, then they would no, Okay. It, it just, it was, I think almost too overwhelming for them, but the amount of time and then they, here they've got this written proposal and it's like, well, let me go shop now because now I know the terminology and it's like, I will never do that again. <laughs> All right. So and, let's, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I just was going to agree with that idea that that concept that, and especially working with local clients, it's nice as a consultant to have that privilege to work remotely and set your own hours and have that space. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, right. And it's, or I remember having a local client be like, well, you know, why don't you come to the office once a week and we can sit down and go through this? And I said, that, that's fine, you know, but I don't remember the rate was at the time. But when I told them, like, it's $100 every time. Oh, I'm like, well, <laughs> why on earth would I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, you're, you have to pay for my time. Anyways, I digress. Let's jump into the website x-ray because I think this is something that just, is going to be so beneficial to listeners. So share a little bit about what it is. And then if you could share maybe just a couple common mistakes that you see people making with their websites because of having done this for clients. Absolutely. So uh, we'll be able to toss a link to the website x-ray into the show notes, I'm sure, if anybody wants to click through. Absolutely. But the website x-ray is an SEO audit of a client's site. And it's me going through, looking at you know, a, a checklist of 75 to 100 different best practices on the SEO side of the space, both on-site and off-site, and seeing, well, are there any site-wide issues? Are there any page-specific issues? Are there any common or esoteric mistakes that clients might be making that could prevent them from getting being, getting found online or generating the traffic that they're looking for? In, in terms of most common mistakes, you know, I think that the best approach to SEO these days is that SEO is what happens when you're doing everything else well. It used to be, if we look back three, four, five years ago, SEO was, I'm going to blast a bunch of spammy links. I'm going to get some quick rankings and quick traffic and great, we're done. And SEO clients these days still think the approach is like, I just hire an SEO guy, pay him 500 bucks and boom, done, taken care of. It's like getting my car detailed. When the truth is search engine optimization is what happens when your site has good content is attracting high-quality, relevant links from other sites, and is doing everything to put the user in that searcher first to make it a very positive search experience. We just passed through. I mean, we're on April 24th. April 21st was what the media was calling mobile get-in, where Google was going to start a... Uh, lessening the traffic or lowering the rankings for sites that weren't mobile optimized. And when you think about it, well, we're past 50% of people browsing the web on their smartphones and their tablets. If we want, if we think about SEO or just usability in terms of what's best for that searcher, it makes so much sense. Like you want a website that works well on a phone. If your website doesn't work well on a phone, are you really doing everything you could to make it easy for that visitor to have a great experience? So again, these days, I think SEO is more and more a byproduct of doing the right things, having great content, building relationships with relevant communities and using those relationships to earn links, making sure your website is optimized in the most correct ways. Yeah, Diving a little deeper than that, what I often see is people come to me and say, we've got a beautiful website. Uh, we we want to be number one for these terms. They're relevant to our business. What on-site optimization do we need to get there? And the truth is there's some difference between on-site optimization like the title tags and headlines and on-page content for a page on your site and off-site optimization, the links that are pointing to it. And people get so fixated on, well, I need perfect on-site optimization before I go or even a perfect product before I go off and start attracting and earning links when it's best to approach it like left foot, right foot, one step at a time. Let's do a little on-site optimization and make sure the basics are covered. We have our relevant keywords in the title, in the URL, in the headline, and in the content on the page. And then let's go off and start building links to the site. Just doing link building, off-site optimization won't get you rankings. Just like just doing on-site optimization, making sure you have the keywords in the appropriate places won't get you rankings. It's only by iterating forward and seeing, well, our rank is increased by three positions this month. Okay, what else can we do to get us a little further down the line? Yeah, there's there's not like this this magic, do this and you're on page one, right? And it, 
I, I remember when I really started kind of paying attention to, um, you know, what I was just looking at analytics and, and paying attention to, well, what, what's getting the most traffic or, or where, you know, where are people clicking through? So what I realized is it was through just creating content. It wasn't a strategy. And I started doing videos on a certain, uh, on topic when I was, it was studio press pre Genesis days. And I started doing videos and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, that's really working. And then I would dive a little bit deeper into, okay, well, you know, it's my post optimized and that stuff, but yet people want this plan and they want it just to work as opposed to do the work, create the value and then tweak and adjust. And it's going to be constant. It's not a, a, a do it once and you're done. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And and so often, I mean, that's one of the qualifying questions I'll ask my clients, like, what does a home run look like for you if, if we work together in terms of SEO or link building or outreach? And I get back the response. And like, I literally got the response back from a client once. Well, after the first month, we'll be making $10,000 a month in revenue. And this site hadn't even launched yet. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on here. It's a long process. Like, you're talking about your need here is how do I build a sustainable business? Your want is I throw some magic money at the wizard and suddenly I'm making infinite internet dollars. But it's that disconnect between wanting to have the business grow overnight and acknowledging, well, it's going to be a long, slow, iterative process for us to really get to where we need to be. And do you ever, like, I always wonder what it is about the the internet side, the website, the online presence of a business that people, you know, if you if you open a brick and mortar business, people are not going to expect millions tomorrow, right? But for some reason, there's this expectation that the web is supposed to be easy and magic and make everything just, you know, bring you the leads and the business you want without putting in the time, effort and work. There's this perception that it's not going to take the same amount of and I, and hear my heart, like I'm not saying, oh, it's hard work, but you do need to do the work. <laughs> It is work. I mean, it's building a business like anything else. It's, and like, I look at, I look at some publishers and some content creators online who have built businesses around the idea of, I mean, you, you click a couple buttons and you have a magic money making website when the truth is like, uh, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. I know so many people who have read that and said, okay, great. All I need to do is create a muse business and I'll be rich. And it's like, well, no, yes, you could get to the point where you're working four hours a week, but that's because like you spent years systematizing and stripping down your business and focusing on the 80 20 principle, the most valuable parts you can contribute to. Not I can just from the get go invest no energy and no money and have a magic internet money making machine. I think people just as humans, like eh, let's broadly say as humans, we always want to take the easy way through things. And so when people hear about, Oh, this, this startup just IPO'd for a million dollars or a billion dollars. Well, they get dollar signs in their eyes and think, oh, the way to riches is start an internet business. I'll start an internet business. I'll buy a $99 course. And it's often not that easy. It's it's about finding an expensive problem, finding a way to solve that expensive problem and helping your customers have a better life. And that takes time. That takes work. That takes money. And that's a challenge I think a lot of people aren't necessarily aware they're signing up for. And so they either try to buy their way out of it with $500 a month cheapo services or get frustrated that nobody's helping them build the business of their dreams. God, that was beautiful. You know, in, in it's, I read for our work week too. And what I would recommend somebody read instead is either the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. And, or I just read another book that is one of my favorites. Now it's called the obstacles away by Ryan holiday. And Ooh. it is through the doing 
truly that you're going to build your business and in the clarity there isn't, you know, it's like if you want to get great at video or you want to get great at podcasting, well, you're only going to get a, a course, even if you watch everything and you take your notes and you do all that, it's going to do nothing for you if you don't actually go create a video, if you don't actually go create the podcast, if you don't go write the blog post, right? It is through the doing that you're going to get clear and you're going to get a better sense of direction. And, you know, I, I love it that the web com- comparatively to offline advertising, say, or offline marketing is the only place where you can track everything, right? Like you can literally down to where are people spending time, where are they leaving? There's, there's so many metrics to figure out, you know, what's working and what's not. It is kind of the best. It's a win-win solution. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And being able to see that data and see what is working and what isn't working. Uh, uh, my father's an attorney and I've been privileged to help him as I work in marketing, grow his business and just understand like 20 years ago when he started his practice, like the go-to strategy was, okay, we need to have like the best yellow pages ad. And, <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. And like, uh, he, he, he's been so innovative in his marketing through the days. He decided to start a separate business advertising it in the yellow pages called legal research services. And it was basically lead gen. Like he positioned his yellow page ad as like, do you have a legal question? Our team will help you answer it. And so he was getting three to five calls a day of people who had legal problems and were like, gosh, you know, I'm really trying to figure out how to solve this trust in a state problem. He was like, well, I happen to be an attorney who could help you with that. And for years, his bread and butter was this lead generation strategy, but there were no quantitative analytics on it. It was all qualitative. It was all uh, well, we're getting calls, but which ad or which phone number or which phone book or which advertising medium, at least with the web, we could track it down to say like, well, I was on, I, I wrote this guest post and I got 75 leads through it. Okay, great. I can see that guest posting on this channel is sustainable. Let's do it again. God, that is exactly it. It's I always wondered like where people would argue over like a, you know, a $2,000 website, but yet they were throwing money away for a, a coupon mailer that they have no idea unless somebody says, I bought this coupon or I bought your services because I found you in this, whatever the, the monthly mailer is. You know, it's just, anyways, I digress. Let's jump a little bit now into traffic because I, you know, this is something that Everybody listening, you know, traffic, like I joke around that I wish to God somebody had taught me about paid traffic (laughs) a few years ago, but it's a, it's each piece of traffic and please correct me if I'm wrong is it's like one piece of the puzzle, right? It's like, there isn't like a traffic solution. There are multiple things that you need to be doing and they need to be running consistently all the time. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And I'd add on to that. The worst thing somebody can do is say, I'm going to take these four different traffic, potential traffic sources and test them all simultaneously because that's the equivalent of running four marathons at the same time. You, you're going to burn yourself out and you aren't going to end up getting anywhere that you really need to, that what I advocate for all of my coaching clients, all of my uh, business clients is Okay, let's make a list of the different traffic sources that make sense for your industry. Let's prioritize them based on how interesting they would be to work on, how potentially valuable they'd be, and how comp- and how active our competitors are in those sources. And then let's just start at the top. Okay, great. We're investing two months in pay-per-click advertising. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we know if it's successful? At the end of two months, we could either thumbs up it and say, hey, great, PPC works for our business. Let's keep that going and move on to the next one. Or say... We've invested two months. We've determined this strategy does not work for us. Let's cross it off the list. We invested money in learning this does not work. So how, let me ask you this, with with that strategy, and, and maybe it'll be more helpful if I give you like a specific 
niche site, right? Is let's take like a, a WordPress front end developer, right? They've got a WordPress business, they blog, they do client sites, and, and they know they want more traffic, How, they want to get more clients. So can you give us whether it's, you know, an, an, an approach to creating a traffic strategy? Or what are a couple tips you might give somebody? You know, if uh, and it, I think this is a wonderful question because it's something I think about every day with my own business, like running a consulting business. How how do you get that traffic? And the things that I found work the best for my business are uh, uh, creating educational content online. What my mentor Amy Hoy refers to as e bombs, educational bombs, and uh, just having them up there as articles that prospects can stumble across and read and derive value from. Those have been incredibly valuable for me. Building an email list, just offering some relevant opt-in for my audience, like saying, hey, here's the list of tools I use for my website x-rays. You can have it for free if you want to do it yourself. Here's the checklist I use on an x-ray. Drop your email in here and you'll get it. Building the email list of potential clients, prospects, and readers is another valuable strategy. In terms of actually driving that traffic to your website, I've gone back and forth on a number of different ones. What I found works best for me, actually has been podcasting and interviews like the one we're on right now. It's a wonderful way to gain exposure to a relevant audience of uh, uh, similar like-minded consultants, people who are in my audience or people who are working in e-commerce. And so that's been a traffic generation strategy that works for me. But it's different for everybody's business. I have some consultant friends who have had a ton of success through partnerships or white labeling their services. Uh, my friend Kurt Elster from the web agency EtherCycle just recently niched down to only working on Shopify websites. So now he's able to position himself as a Shopify preferred partner and gets leads funneled to him directly from Shopify who just say like, hey, great, you need somebody in Chicago to work on your Shopify website. Here's Kurt, go to him. And so he's getting between five and 10 leads a day just off of that strategy. So I guess the fourth strategy I'd add into that mix, even though it's not a direct traffic generating strategy, is positioning. The more targeted and fine you can make your positioning, the more niche down you can be, the more exact you are in it, the easier it will be for the right people to find you, both through SEO and not, and the easier it will be for those right people to say, wow, this is the person I want to work with. This isn't a generalist. This isn't a pair of hands. This is a specialist who could help me with exactly the problem I'm trying to solve. God, there's so many juiciness <laughs> in that answer. I have a, I don't know, a little spin on that question, I guess. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's, it's in terms of, because you've got the traffic, you know, understanding all of that. And then like the educational piece, because I think there is a fine line between and this is speaking from experience between creating a bunch of how-to content and educational content without selling, right? Because if your goal, right, at the end of the day, we're in business, we want to make a profit. And so there's there's got to be this fine line between providing value and establishing yourself as an excer- expert, but also not attracting, you want to drive people to you that are interested in investing in their business, right? That are their customers as well. And obviously not every single person that comes to your site or reads your content or whatever is, is going to necessarily be a, a customer and totally get that. At the same time, you don't want to just be creating a list of freebie seekers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I think, I think like you're saying, there's some, there's always going to be freebie seekers who show up on the list who will be consuming some of your content. And the strategy I advocate is having a, a, uh, almost like a ladder of different services that I offer. So you could think of it as, well, 
the free email list that you offer is the bottom rung of the ladder. And one step up from that might be a complete information product like your guide to optimizing WordPress. And that might be a $19 product that somebody is willing to invest in. At the top of the ladder, there might be a $2,000 consulting offering. So by arranging it so you have an array of different products, by making it so people could self-select and say, I'm really ready to work with this guy or gal or work on this project. I'm ready to invest a few thousand dollars. There's an option ready for them to buy. Or if they say, ah, gee, you know, I don't have a large budget. I, I want to learn more, but I just can't afford to invest. There's a lower, more affordably priced option for them to purchase. But the truth is, there's always going to be freebie seekers that end up on the list. And if I have a list of a 1,000 people, maybe 10% of those people actually are qualified or potentially qualified clients. I'm okay with that. It's still an audience that I'm able to advertise to. They still become people who read my articles, share my content online, part of the tribe or the community I'm building around the brand that I'm creating online. And so I think I think it's not as much of a worry as it could be. There, if you have the right calls to action, if you have the right options available to them, they'll still take action or they just won't. And what's really the cost of having one more email address on the list? It's not really anything. No, it's not. And I think it's also you want to make sure that that what you're offering in exchange for the name and email is geared towards your ideal client, right? It's geared towards that ideal subscriber who may not buy from you today or tomorrow, but in the long run, and of course, you know, let's just back up and assume that whatever you're providing is, is coming from value and integrity, but there's a, you want to also position that, that offer to get the name and email in a way that somebody who's interested in this is much more likely to be a potential customer than say this report or this audio or whatever it is you're giving away, right? You want to make sure that your opt-in offer for that name and email is, is focused on someone who probably wants to make something with their business or, you know what I'm saying? That they want to potentially invest in growing their business. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think it, it, it makes my blood boil every time I go to like a well-developed professional website and the call to action is get free posts in your inbox. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I don't care about that. Give me something of value. Be like, like, uh, uh I'm working on a new opt-in for my website, wecommerce.com, where it's just going to be like, a breakdown of exactly how I do my SEO audits, the tools I use, the exact strategies, and the headline's going to be e-commerce entrepreneurs, learn how to double your website's traffic. And like right there, I'm hitting the audience that this is targeted towards, e-commerce entrepreneurs, the painful problem they're trying to solve, how do I get more traffic to my website, and the solution, here's a list of the exact tools that I use, here's the process I step through. So if somebody shows up and they aren't an e-commerce entrepreneur, if they're a consultant or if they belong to a different tribe, they'll be able to say, well, this uh, this this doesn't sound that interesting to me. I'm not going to opt into it. But by making it hyper-targeted, again, positioning to the people I most want to work with, they're going to say, whoa, I just bought an e-commerce website or, oh, I'm, I, I'm making 10000 a month and I want to get to 20000 and I can't figure out this traffic thing. This is exactly what I need. So I think you're absolutely right. Having those calls to action, having those uh, uh, lead magnets, having the resources you make available in exchange for that email address, be consistent with the audience you want to attract is incredibly valuable. I have uh, two clients I'm working with right now. One of them has a uh, uh, website where he sells an information product for poker players. And we have something like a 6% opt-in on his list. And we're like, hey, that's that's pretty good for a free course on poker. 
I have another client who has 150,000 visitors a month to his website, and he has a 1% opt-in to his list. And looking at his website, I think he suffers from some of the same problems we identified here. His call to action might be a little less crispy, a little more squishy, a little more get free posts in your inbox and not connecting with the people he's trying to reach, the visitors he's actually getting to his website, or the product he's selling at the end of the course. So making sure it all ties together, follows the uh, the marketing scent, I think is the phrase, is really important from that first step of, well, does this headline on the call to action box inspire the person reading it to click the button or read further on? Does the text on the button inspire the right person to click through? Does the email sequence inspire the person to keep reading the next email in the sequence, looking at each element and saying, what's the job this has to do? And is it correctly doing the job? is incredibly important when it comes to building a list or building a better business. God, that's awesome. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because I've heard this before, too, that, you know, I know SEO is not dead. There's this, you know, there's always there's always some sort of fun, controversial p- post out there. Um, so you're optimizing your site, you're optimizing your content. What, what role, I mean, obviously, this is a social web, so social media is key. I, I don't think it's something that you can not participate in anymore. Um, where, where does social media sit with, you know, with traffic and, and, and building that audience and building a list? Where do you think that sits in relation to SEO or comparatively even? I think that it depends business to business and it's really a high level question. It's a very, it's a very effective way to generate traffic for the I'm right a high level interviewer, Kai. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just needed to throw a little comic relief in. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's that question of, well, like, uh, uh, I mean, let's pick on the construction company I worked for five or six years ago. When I joined, they were like, our strategy is we really need to be on Facebook. And I was like, we sell multi-million dollar buildings. Why are we on Facebook? But another client right now sells bandage dresses. And for them, Instagram and social media are hugely important in driving traffic because that's where that audience is. So, I think that in terms of SEO, yeah, social does send uh, signals to Google and other search engines about, whoa, this is a post that's getting a lot of tweets and a lot of likes. It's probably more valuable than a post that isn't getting any. So it is valuable to think about what your social media strategy is. But again, first asking yourself, well, are there communities on these social platforms that my audience is active in? If there aren't, toss those platforms away. Don't waste time investing there. But if you start safariing around, searching around, and you say, well, I have a website. I'm focused on this audience. I see this audience is really active on Facebook. Okay, great. Double down on Facebook as a traffic strategy. See how you could share your posts on Facebook and have calls to action to get links from them or blend those two marketing strategies together. But I think it really does come down to looking at it and saying, is this a place where my audience is active? If it is, yeah, do it. If it isn't, well, maybe it's more valuable to invest your time somewhere else. Am I answering that question well? Yeah, it's fantastic. And I kind of do the same thing with clients and it just depends. I mean, I've got, I had had one website client that, I mean, her, her customer are government entities, right? So we're not going to put an opt-in on the site. It was the only client that I didn't argue about a slider with because it was like, eh, it was really more of a brochure site. She knew she needed a clean, responsive website to have a presence because she was also in technology, but the government's not going to be like Googling. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, to hire her. So, so mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. It depends. And I always tell people too that, you know, because it, it gets a little bit overwhelming. I have somebody that now that works with me for my social media. I am on social media, but mm-hmm. I tend to spend most of my time on Facebook and I get great engagement there for me personally. Twitter does too, thanks to her help. But at the same time, my, my audience is there, right? So in, in doing it and participating it and like looking at, and you got to do a little bit of research and do a little backwards engineering, right? Like, okay, who's my client or who is my audience and where are they spending time? And so I think with that, it's important, you know, and yeah, I, I think that it's, it's a huge factor with, with search would be in traffic. But it, like you said, is it right for your business? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of people can run into, I think, the Me Too strategy of, well, our competitors are investing in Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and SEO and PPC. We need to be on all those channels too. But I think it's much more valuable to say, well, what's the number one priority? You can't have two number one priorities, but too often it's easy to fool ourselves into thinking you can have two number one priorities or three number one priorities and split your energy along too many different paths. But really saying, where's my audience? Well, first, I guess saying, who am I trying to attract? Mm -hmm. Where are they online? What channels are they using? How can I contribute value to those channels? And when you follow down that path of questions, I think you organically arrive at, oh, great, like my audience is on Facebook. So what type of post would be most valuable for them on Facebook? Maybe uh, how-to videos. Okay, great. That's now driving your content strategy. Instead of saying, I'm going to make videos and blast them out on every channel and hopefully maybe it will work Cross my fingers. Yeah, you know, it's funny as I was, I was doing this webinar last night, um, and was talking about sort of market validation in terms of a course or a product or whatnot. And before investing in Facebook ads, we did social sharing of similar style images, right? To just send people to a squeeze page. And so I already knew what images people resonated with, right? Before we invested. So there's a lot of ways to test via social or SEO even, right? I mean, it's the same thing. It's it's in doing the work and showing up and, and testing and measuring what is working. Absolutely. Absolutely. And periodically asking, is this helping me achieve my goals? And if it isn't, you have to ask yourself that tough question of, well, do I stop it or do I continue on with it? And I think like uh, at the human level, like it's very valuable just to look at every part of your business or part of your life and say, is this habit, is this investment helping me achieve the goals? And sometimes that makes you answer that tough question of, I don't know what my goals are here. Like it's very easy for me to play around on Twitter. And I know I have like no defined goal on Twitter and it would be very easy for me to do to define a social media strategy for Twitter and get better results there. But until I do that, until I say, well, this is what I'm playing towards, this is what my goal is, or even this is what my goal is with SEO, I won't see results in that arena. God, that's awesome. It's, it is. You have to have that objective to begin with. You know, it's, it's fascinating because this stuff never ends, right? This isn't a process like we were saying, even with SEO, but I, I'm sure for you, you know, how many years you've been doing this now with, with each, new step or offering that you make, it's like you get more clarity. And it's like, well, I'm going to tweak kind of like a pilot, you know, they tweak and adjust course along along the way. Um, can we talk a little bit about link building? And do you have just even, you know, one or two tips? Obviously, this is something that you do um, for your clients with, uh, with the in the traffic power up, right? That's where you do, you do the digital outreach and the link building. So are, is there like one or two things that you would say, do this for link building? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that one of the most valuable steps to take is a early quantitative analysis. And so with my clients, 
I, uh, uh, I look at them and I say, well, what's like, what's number one keyword that we want to rank for? And then just compare the metrics for their site to the sites that are ranking first, fifth, and tenth for that keyword. Just to say, okay, buddy, like we want to rank on first page for the keyword uh, paleo tacos, let's say. I, I love tacos, so we'll just pick on tacos for a second. God, you're making me totally hungry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten breakfast yet. And it might be that, well, the site that's ranking number 10 there, they have a thousand unique domains pointing to them, a thousand sites linking to them. We have 10. Well, we can't really compete with them in that case. So again, understanding quantitatively what we need to have in place to achieve our goals before we start on the process of building links. When it comes to the actual actions of building links, what I found has been most valuable is approaching it from approaching it by trying to answer the question, what can we do over the next month to offer value to a specific community online? It's not about answering the question, how do I build a link to my website anymore? It's about answering the question, what can I do that will provide value to a relevant community? So with my clients, I'm very, very focused on understanding their positioning, who they want to attract to their business. And then I go a step deeper and say, well, we're trying to attract independent product creators, people who are selling information products for freelancers and consultants, let's say. Where do they hang out online? Okay. What can we create? What type of content and resources are they already linking to? Okay. What can we create that's similar to those resources? So now we've identified the exact people we're trying to reach, the problems they're trying to solve, the resources they're already linking to, and how we can make something better. And this takes a lot of work, but it gets us to a point where we're able to say, we've created the definitive guide to X, or we've created a really valuable resource to help people negotiate or uh, uh, better qualify their clients. With that resource, we're going to be able to earn links by sharing it with the community. And it changes that conversation from, hey, I'm Kai, do you want to link to me? To, hey, you have a wonderful audience. Your audience loves this type of content. We created a piece of content to help your audience learn how to do this better. Would you like to share it with them? And so it flips that entire dynamic around from somebody going out and seeking links. I'm sure everybody listening to this can imagine the emails they get like, hello, webmaster, would you please link to me? Here is the link I want. <laughs> it, it, it changes that conversation to be very focused on, well, here's a way we could provide value to you. The link doesn't even enter into it. And with uh, uh, the traffic power-up service I offer my e-commerce clients – very often, I'm helping my clients earn somewhere between 10 and 20 high-quality links every month, but nowhere in the emails, nowhere in the conversations with the people I'm working with am I saying, we would like you to link to us. Instead, I'm saying, you have a great audience. You have a great website. We'd love to collaborate together. We'd love to build a long-term relationship. Here's three ways we could work together. Which one of these feels like it's a good fit? So I'm really focused on saying, it's not about a link. It's about building this relationship. A link is just one of the things that happens with it. Just sort of like when you enter into a relationship, you might say, God, I really just want somebody who will give me a back massage every night. But, well, you don't go out on a first date saying, I really want somebody to give me a back massage every night. You go out to find the partner. And one of the benefits of finding that great partner is somebody who's loving and caring. Likewise, with link building, going out to build that business relationship, you're going to get the link as a side effect. God, that's awesome. It's so funny. I was in there. I'm like, I think I actually put that in a dating profile once. Like, you must <laughs> like to give massage. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, simple pleasures. I don't know what to tell you there. Um, but that is, that, that's totally it. You know, it's funny. I can't begin to tell you how many people have contacted me and I'm making it sound like it's thousands. It's totally not. But the people that say, Hey, I'd love to be on your show. I'm like, thanks. I, I don't know you. Do you listen to my show? Like, do you know who my audience is? And it just, it's, 
how simple it would be if the outreach, like you just said, was, hey, I love your site. I did it, whatever. And, you know, I think here's a few different ways we could collaborate. It's just, it's a normal human communication, right? You know, like you said, it's, you're not going to go on a first date or you're not going to meet someone in person and, you know, hey, let's get married. I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy to me that, that people do that, that they've got that sort of sense of, I think I would be a great guest for you. Well, that's nice. (laughs) What's in it for me? And I, 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 I think back to like the first email we had sent to each other, uh, our friend Mary Lou had connected to us and I responded back and said, Kim, I'd love to be a guest on your site. I checked out your show. Here's three ideas for topics. Which one of these would work best for you? Just let me know and we could uh, get the ball rolling. Just making it easier for you to say, oh, hey, there's value here for my audience. There's value here for my listeners. This makes so much sense. Instead of those, I'd love to be a guest on the podcast. Let me know if you're interested. Single line emails, which get you nowhere. No, like where it's, it's someone's doing me the favor. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's kind of bizarre. And I, I think it's really important to, and it, the other thing that's odd to me is that it's been people that are in an industry or a niche that, you know, I'm not going to necessarily have someone on the show that just use the paleo example, um, that they've got a paleo site unless they want to talk about how they built their business, right? And using, and, and so it's, it's even making sure, is this a good fit? Or, you know, I, taking it a step further is reaching out and just like Mary Lou did, hey, you guys would be a great fit. Like, I think you should talk. So, Finding those relationships where you can connect and engage other people sometimes when it, there's nothing in it for you. Like there, you don't know what that's going to lead to down the road in terms of links, mentions, traffic that that's going to bring you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it's an investment. It really is. Yeah. God. I, I love this. All right. So tell me what, um, what are you working on right now? Like what, what's, what's on the horizon for Kai? So on the horizon for Kai, I'm focused on double your e-commerce right now. That's my primary business where I help Shopify, re- Shopify e-commerce store owners increase their traffic through SEO and outreach. I also offer a coaching service for consultants who are looking to grow their business by eliminating proposals, raising their prices, and uh, uh, working with better clients. And those are the two real pillars of the Kai Davis brand, so to speak, at the moment. And I'm really excited about growing Double Your E-Commerce. It's been a recent change for me to niche down dramatically. Before, I described myself very poorly as saying, I work with people who sell stuff online. Like, what what the hell does that even mean? (laughs) That's now, like calling yourself out there. Oh, I, 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 I frequently look back six months and I'm like, what were you thinking? Come on, Kai, you're better than that. And uh, now I'm, I'm really crisp and clear in my positioning and saying like, hey, you know what? My best clients are e-commerce store owners who are on the Shopify platform, who are selling fashion products to men or women or selling a, a fashion accessories to men or women because those are the clients I've had the most success with. And niching down my positioning to that has helped me work with better clients, get into partner programs, and just connect with the people I work best with. And so I'm just excited at seeing how niching down this extremely and this far helps my business grow to that next level because I think that's really what it takes by identifying that really specific expensive problem for a really specific audience. That's how a consultant can help their business grow to the next level. It's again, the generalist versus the specialist. Am I hiring somebody to come in with a hammer to fix my SEO or I'm hiring or am I hiring somebody who's a specialist in helping fashion stores get more traffic and make more sales? Well, 
if I own an e-commerce store that sells fashion products, I'm going to go with the specialist over here who's thinking about the 60 hours a week, writing about it, working on it. It might mean that I'm only working with one out of 10 or one out of 20 of the clients that contact me. But that small number of clients who are a right fit are going to be my best clients, my dream clients, and the clients I work with for 6, 12, or 18 months at a time. God, I love that. It is, And there is a fear for people, don't you think, of of niching down and getting really, really specific, but it's your the frustration level is going to drop immensely if you get crystal clear on what it is you're offering and who you want to work with. And then you serve those people. You can, you know, you can't serve the masses necessarily the same way that you can serve a targeted niche. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think back to my old positioning where I'd get a ton of software as a service companies contacting me and like, no, 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 no uh, problem with SaaS companies. Like, I think they're wonderful. I pay thousands of dollars a month to software as a service companies, but they just aren't clients I'm able to really deliver results for. And as soon as I narrow, narrowed down my positioning, squeezed it down until it like scared me and it hurt, that's when I started getting the leads that I was so excited to work with. Uh, one wonderful resource a friend of mine just put together is a manual exactly on positioning uh, for technical consultancies and different types of consultants at thepositioningmanual.com. And it's a fabulous, fabulous resource that walks you through exercises and steps on how to determine, well, what positioning should I pick? Who are my best clients? What, what, what vocabulary should I use that they use so I'm resonating with them? So, uh, if anybody in the audience is saying, is scratching their head saying, oh, gee, I want to better position myself. I want to niche down. I just don't know how the positioning manual.com fabulous resource. I, I can't heap enough praise on it. And it's the positioning manual. Yep, the positioning manual. And I'll toss a link into the robot and uh, we could get that into the show notes for people. Absolutely. Kai, thank you so much. I've had so much fun talking with you. But before we go, I always ask people, is there anything fun about yourself that you would like to share? That you know, I may not know. <laughs> that That's a wonderful question. I spent 20 years as an amateur jazz piano player and gave it up about four or five years ago and deeply, deeply regret it. But it's one of those skills that I'm looking to reinvest in over the next couple of months and start reactivating. But uh, the, the hidden secret of Kai is he spent uh, 20 years playing jazz and classical piano. Holy moly, that is pretty awesome. And I was, uh, I thought, you know, 10 years in <laughs> taking piano lessons as a kid was pretty good. <laughs> and one other thing I'd love to plug uh, uh, for your listeners, I put together a small collection of questions and email scripts and templates that I use to help qualify the best clients for my business. And if they go to doubleyourecommerce.com forward slash WP chick, and we'll have a link in show notes, they'll be able to enter their email and get a 20 page guide on pricing and prospecting questions as long uh, as well as my swipe file of phone and email scripts. And I think it'll really help them take the first step towards working with better clients. God, that is so awesome. Kai, thank you so much. I have absolutely loved talking with you and you have been patient in getting this interview scheduled. So thank you for that as well. (laughs) It's been a pleasure to be on. I hope your audience has enjoyed it. And uh, again, thank you so much for having me on. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hope you have a fabulous day. See what I mean? It wasn't Kai great. So go ahead and you can check Kai out at KaiDavis.com. And that's K-A-I-D-A-V-I-S dot com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. And if you're inclined, I would love a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show. Um, And let me know what you think. That's it, you guys. Have a fantastic day. And uh, we'll check you out next time. Leave me a comment, and if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. 
that helps a lot. But I would love a review in iTunes. It just takes a few minutes. Go over to, you know, you can subscribe in iTunes. Um, there is a link on the show note, but just look for the WordPress Chick Podcast. You can search it um, and leave a review. And um, we will be talking soon. <laughs>